Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Believe in Temple Football Podcast, Season 1, Episode 8. I'm John DiCarlo of joined as always by Adam DeMichael. Adam, how you doing, man? What's going on? Hey, John. Everything's good, man. Uh, fans, listeners out there, sorry we're a few days behind on the, the hot news. My, uh, my parents had a surprise 65th birthday party, both of them, yesterday. So we were up late, oh, awesome. um, having a little bit of fun, enjoying my parents and you know, all the things they've done for, for my family. So we had a ton of people there and some old friends of theirs. But we're excited to talk about the news, John. I'm sure you are as well. Nice, man. That's awesome. Your parents are both 65? Yep. Yep. On the same day or the same? No, no, no. One um, exactly two months apart. My dad was born on 9-11. My mom's at 11-11, so. Oh, cool. Okay. Yeah, man. So, yeah, no, my wife cool? has uh, my wife's cousin and his wife are both celebrating their their birthday today. Tyler and Jerry Lynn, they're both both born on the same day, which I thought was uh, yeah, that's pretty, pretty cool, cool, man. a little shout out, little birthday shout out to them. So, uh, but like yeah. Adam said, the big news, of course, is the Temple has a new head football coach and Stan Drayton, the former. Um, associate head coach and running backs coach uh, with the Texas Longhorns. Uh, we knew that he was one of the top candidates in this search. And uh, again, from what we've been able to gather and, and you know, we're, we have mailbag questions about this. Uh, it did seem to come down to, uh, to Stan Drayton and uh, former Temple assistant Fran Brown. I know he was popular among the former players, Arthur Johnson, Temple's athletic director, didn't, didn't talk about other candidates who were involved in the search, nor would I expect him to, but uh, we understand, you know, that people have that on their minds and uh, we'll, we'll talk about that in the mailbag, but Adam is a former player, former assistant coach. What do you think of the hire? Well, I mean, it's a, it's an exciting time for Temple. I think it's, um, it, it's, it was time for a change. Um, obviously the, the powers up above spent a lot of time, you know, trying to decide who was the right man for the job, the guy to, you know, lead this program into the future. And, I'm sure there were, again, according to, I always wanted to say this, John, I've never had the chance to, like, according to my sources, there were a ton of um, uh, really, really good, you know, in the most basic form candidates for the job and some guys that, you know, I would have been, you know, very excited if they would have got the job. Um, but obviously, like I tell everybody, um, you know, the, the board of trustees, the president, the athletic director, you know, the, the, the people that spent time with, 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 with Coach Drayton, you know, over that three, four, however long that period was of interviews and time spent with him, you know, they dug in, they did their research, they reached out to people that he was with in the past, you know, they, they turned over every stone and, you know, I'm okay with a hire when it's done that way. So, again, man, I'm, I'm excited. I think the, the, you know, the fans will be excited. I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I know that, you know, our players – you know, we'll be excited and they'll be fired up to have, um, you know, someone like Coach Drayton, you know, at the helm and, you know, someone that has a, a vision is, and, and again, has seen success working with Urban Meyer and, you know, you know the likes of guys like that and at, and at places that have seen, you know, a ton of success at the highest level. So I'm fired up to hear more about him. I'm fired up to, you know, to listen to some more of the things he said. Obviously, we, we all heard the, 
you know, when, when he was intro- introduced um, and the things that he said. And, you know, I was I was excited watching it. You know, I was holding my son. I'm over here, you know, trying to listen in a little bit. But you know, I was fired up. So I know, you know, the fans are and I'm sure the players will be. And that's what matters most. Adam, I'm gonna we're going to play an audio clip here. So I think a lot of you as fans who are listening, if you if you follow it online or, or sometimes fans get to go to the, the press conference in person. Uh, but I don't know if probably most of you didn't have the chance this time around. Usually the standard thing is, um, you know, the president, the athletic director, the new coach walk in, the president speaks for about five minutes or so, turns it over to the athletic director. So in this case, it was Temple's new president, Jason Wingard, turning it over to the new athletic director, Arthur Johnson, Arthur Johnson, turning it over to the new football coach and Stan Drayton, Stan speaks. And then he took about six, eight, 10 minutes of questions, brief Q&A with the reporters there. And then we have a chance for a breakout session where you can have more individual time with the coach. So um, this is audio that we're going to play for you. Um, you can hear the, the full length of it uh, in one of our stories at alscoop.com. This is our breakout session uh, with Stan Drayton, with you know Stan talking to some other reporters. And the, the, the clip that, that I'm going to play here for all of you, uh, I wanted to ask Stan to elaborate a little bit more on you know, talking, talking about the, the importance of bringing former players into the fold. And, and then after that, uh, just about, you know, recruiting a temple, I wanted to ask him about how he would recruit a temple because he's, he's known as a very good recruiter. He helped uh, recruit Cam Newton to, to Florida before he transferred to Auburn. Uh, you know, he's, he's worked with Ezekiel Elliott, Ohio state, Carlos Hyde at Ohio state. Uh, there's a great story about how he recruited and developed Brian Westbrook at Villanova. So he's been around great players and he looks what great, knows what great players look like. Adam knows better than anybody else that recruiting to Temple is a different story. I mean, it's not like recruiting to, you know, Westchester or anything like that, that the, the profile of the program <clears throat> certainly elevated, but Adam knows certainly how it's a little bit of a different animal and you really have to evaluate and really have to develop players. So um, I'm going to p- play this clip here and then we're going to react to it. So this is Stan Drayton talking about, you know, the importance of having former players in the fold and then recruiting to Temple. Saying you, you talked about an open board policy with the former players. I mean, anybody could come in and say that, but the former players have been chiming in and they're, you know, upset at the direction of the program for the uh, last couple of years. Anybody could say that, but it seemed like you really were paying attention to that, locked in on that. What does that mean to you? How do you build those bonds with those with those friends? Well, you got to make this place available to them. You know, they they have to feel like they're a part of this, right? They left something when they when they played here. You know, they left a legacy. You know, just three years ago, this team won eight games. You know what I mean? And to not have them around our players at a time where we are in an adverse situation makes absolutely no sense to me. You know, if there's anybody that can pass on what Temple's all about, it's those guys, right? And they need to be around our guys, right? When it's slipping, the mindset is slipping away from that. So um, this is their team. They were, this is their team before it was my team. And I want them to know that it will always be their team. And I, they're always gonna be heard from me, you know? So, no, I think they're uh, absolutely necessary uh, to be around our football players as we continue to raise these young men. And I think they're absolutely necessary uh, to be an asset for our young men when it's time to transition into real life. Might sound like a simple question, but how do you recruit the Temple? You've obviously been a great recruiter. You know what elite, elite players look like, like Zeke, Carlos Hyde, all these guys. Sure. How do you, what's your philosophy on recruiting here? You know, it's evaluation, evaluation, evaluation. It's, it's, it's getting to, you know, not just the sport of football, but 
a lot of these kids around here are multi-sport athletes. Go, go study his film on the track. Go study, you know, his film on the basketball court. You know, whatever in the wrestling match or whatever it may be. You know, we, you know, you um, have to really hone in on the whole athlete, not just the football skills, to really uh, see what the level of development you can take an individual to. So, uh, and this also has a lot to do with the mindset of the individual, right? You can sit there and see incredible God gift, right? But at the same time, if the mindset's not right, that potential for his gift is not going to show all the way, you know? So it's a mindset that we're recruiting. Right, Adam, so you hear him there talking about former players. My guess is that he got the sense, and I wanted to ask you about this, uh, I mean, in the most basic sense, because you are a former player and, and a former coach. I, I, I wanted to ask you about this because you would, you probably know as well as anybody else, because you see it from both sides and you were with the staff, you were with Rod staff for two of the last three years. And I think that you could give us an honest take on this. There did seem to be this perception that over the last few seasons, that the, that the program had lost touch a little bit with some of the former players. Now, sometimes you would see the former players, you know, tweet out stuff and say, Hey, thanks for the free year, you know, and stuff like that. And I don't know if, if some of that is, you know, when, when people say, I don't know, were they really engaged with the former players? I don't know if some of that is just discontent, you know, with the losing and stuff like right. that. So one of the first things I want to ask you is, is that, is that fair criticism that, that, that Rod staff, you know, lost touch a little bit with the, with the old identity and the former players. And I know that in a sense that the, you guys, you know, certainly last season, you were still there. You really couldn't bring a whole lot of guys in due to COVID. And I know that was right. part of it, but is that fair criticism that, that yeah. Rod lost touch with the former players? I wanted to ask yeah. you about that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. To an extent, I think, I don't think fully, I think to an extent, an extent, um, I think that, you know, at the end of the day, John, I think it did start with COVID. Um, and then once you kind of miss that full year of not allowing, even our players weren't allowed in the building, you know what I mean? And we don't have the players in the building and, you know, the guys that are in the, in the NFL at that time or former players that are, you know, are just doing great things in, you know, in the world today, they're not able to come check out the, you know, alumni event, you know what I mean, during spring or come see the spring game. Um, I think that, again, you hit it right on the nose and I was about to say, you know, I think, like I said, COVID was part of that deal. But at the same time, I think, you know, as a as a whole, as a staff and, you know, obviously me included, um, I was pretty much one of the only guys that, you know, had that connection with the, those former players and not necessarily even the older ones. You know what I mean? The the ones that, you know, are 30, 40 years out of the game. I'm talking about the, you know, the newer guys that I either played with or, you know, I had, um, you know, the opportunity to coach. So I think there was some fair, fair criticism. I think there was like, hey. There was always like that, hey, we'll do it next time or, you know, I mean, you know, next, 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 next thing that we do as a team, we'll invite these guys or let's get some letters out to some alumni. And it was just always like pushed off to it to an extent. So it was fair criticism. But, you know, I, I think that must have been said to, 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 to Coach Drayton by somebody. You know, what I mean, that that's a you know a focal point that needs to be you know addressed. And obviously he addressed it to, to you in that clip we just heard. So. Um, and to an extent, yes, it was it was it was our fault as a staff, but you know it does work both ways too. You know, you just have to have that connection, and I don't think we had that you know staff to to former players and alumni connection. Adam, so when you hear that clip, you you know that there were a fair amount of players out there, and I I, I get it. You know, I I will never be in their shoes. You know, I'm a reporter who's covered this program for a long time, but I didn't play the game and I didn't I wasn't part of it, so I understand why. Um, 
you know, and again, if, if Fran Brown had gotten the job, if, if Elijah Robinson had gotten the job, if Mike Saravo had gotten the job, Ed Foley, so on there, you know, Chris Weezy, and there are a lot of qualified candidates. Uh, I can see the fit and I get it. And I know that guys like PJ, you know, who's been on our podcast, of course, before there was, <laughs> there was a report circulating around today that PJ was maybe going to have to step in a kicker for the Panthers if they need him, <laughs> which would have been, yeah, been, been something else. Uh, but anyway, um, you know how many of the former players were kind of pushing for Fran. Fran didn't get the job. So if you're a former player, which you are, and you hear Stan Drayton talking there pretty passionately about wanting the former players in, do you think that resonates? Did it sound genuine to you? Yeah, I think he, I think, you know, whether it sounded genuine or not, I don't know if, you know, that's really the the point. You know what I mean? I think it's like when, when he has the opportunity to, to call a, you know, a PJ Walker and talk to PJ on the phone and tell him like, Hey, listen, I understand that you had some kind of alliance and you know what I mean? To Fran and that's your guy and that's who you thought should lead this program. But this is my plan. I'd love to have you back anytime possible. You know what I mean? I think the players will understand very quickly when they meet this guy or they see him in person or they talk to him on the phone or he reaches out to those guys and really wants to let him, let them know what his vision is and, you know, how much, like you said, how much he appreciates what he said. You know, if you, you know, I quoted him in your, in your, in your uh, article or your, your, your story you just did their team. It was their team before it was my team. And, you know, I took, I took that and, and that was something that, you know, resonated with me because, you know, he's right. Like those guys put the work in, those guys put the effort in, those guys, you know, the blood, the sweat, all that, you know, all that stuff, the blood, the sweat, the tears, you know, and, you know what I mean? It, you know, they turned this place around and obviously, you know, it, it fell off a little bit these past two seasons and, you know, he's the guy that has to come in and, you know, get, get things straight and, and, you know, and right the ship. And he's going to need, you know, those those former players, not necessarily to back him, but just to, you know, come around. He wants them around the program. And I think that's a great thing. And I think it's needed. Um, I think our current players need to see the success that, you know, the players in the NFL are having right now. And, you know, the players that, you know, are just doing real good things in life, you know. So it, it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he kind of bridges that gap between and I know we have some mailbag questions between the guys that you know wanted other guys to be the head coach and and find a way to, to get them on board with him essentially and I think he'll be able to do that because like I said I mean you have 27 years of coaching you've dealt with a lot of different personalities and a lot of different people from all over the world and I mean I, I'm sure that question was asked and I'm sure he sees the messages on you know Twitter and like just like we all do so I'll be mm-hmm. excited to see how he handles that when the time comes. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's get into the mailbag here. We have quite a few questions. Obviously, uh, people have a lot of questions. We have some are from the, the One Temple football Facebook group, and then some are from Twitter. So we have the ones on Twitter first. Uh, first one here is from the, the Twitter handle is B, I guess it's B, Mohan Brian. Question is, what type of offense will Stan look to run, and does he have to retool the skill set to maximize potential? So I, I do, you know, and again, if you listen to the audio from his press conference, you know, he does talk about, uh, if you go back and listen to the audio, we don't have this clip right away for you, but if you do go back and listen to, um, like I said, if you go to one of our Al Scoop stories, you can get the audio from uh, from Stan's breakout session. You know, he talks about, and I don't, Adam, I don't know how generic this, this sounds to you, uh, but he, he said, yeah, we want to be able to run the ball, but we also want to, you know, hit on big plays too. So, I, you know, I suppose that any coach could, could say that, you know, I, I don't know that, that, if you look at some of the stuff that Texas has done, I don't think that I don't think that Stan Drayton's going to be, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust type of 
a type of guy. Uh, I, I don't think he's going to run a Steve Adazio type of offense where it's like run on first down, run on second down, then put your quarterback in third and eight and figure it right. out. You know, I, yeah. I don't think that's going to be the case. And you know, the second part of the question here was, does he have to retool the skill set uh, to maximize the potential? I would think, you know, and Adam, I'll turn this one over to you. This looks like a rebuild. It is a rebuild. And one of the other things that he talked about was I don't plan to just, and I'm paraphrasing here. I don't plan to just go out and get, you know, 20 guys in the portal just to do a quick fix here. What we really have to build a program here. So I'll throw this question over to you, Adam, like in terms of molding his offense, if you're, if you were him, if you're Stan Drayton, do you have to kind of just say, I have to build this slowly based on the personnel that I have and then kind of build it out? Or do you, I think, I think that when you have a new staff that comes in with a new offensive coordinator, I'm sure that, you know, coach Drayton and Stan, I think Stan has probably sat down and watched the guys that he had and spent some time evaluating those guys over the past couple of days while trying to get his staff together and, you know, finding different guys in the portal and trying to get recruits and stuff. But I think he has to – he'll have an offensive coordinator that comes in and obviously stands an offensive guy, and he's a run game guy. So you would imagine that maybe this guy has some kind of pass game knowledge. I'm sure Stan has – you know, even just as an off-run game guy, I'm sure he has some pass game knowledge. But you would imagine that has somebody that has some cat pass game knowledge, someone with some – a little bit of juice, a little bit of energy that can, you know, like you said, can exploit defenses and, and, and get big explosive plays, John. I think that's what's been – um, if you look at some of the teams like the SMU, for instance, like those guys just continuously hit, you know, chunk play after chunk play after chunk mm-hmm. play. And that's what you need to get. You can scheme those things up. You know what I mean? Then, you, again, here's what I think will happen. You'll have a guy come in with his playbook and say, OK, this is what we're going to run. And then he'll cater to the guys that he has there. You know, whether they take things out, they rip pages out, they tear them up and then they kind of add things, you know, figure out the 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 the. the the lingo, the verbiage of the offense and see what works and see formationally how guys can learn quicker. You know, what's the run concepts? How are they called? You know, what do you call in formations? You know, conceptually in the past game, what is a curl flat to you? What do you guys call it here? What did you call it in the past? Can we call it that? You know, I remember when we first got there with obviously, you know, Marcus Satterfield who's down at uh, South Carolina now. As their OC, we did that with him and Rule. And then when Glenn Thomas came in, we did the same thing and tried to cater to things to our players to make them learn faster. So I think they'll do that. He seems like he's an intelligent man. But, again, he'll have to kind of sit back and say, okay, these are the guys we have. Are they good enough? And then if not, I'm sure, like I said, he might say he's not going to hit the portal. But every guy that has a new staff so far that I've looked at has been in the portal heavily. Uh, Miami has 46 guys already from the portal. You know, Oregon's getting guys. They have a new, new head coach, obviously. You know, there's just, you know, teams all over the place. SMU has been heavily involved. And mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see how how that comes together when, you know, we're talking about the transfer portal for, for Temple. Let me ask you this, and, and this, is, this isn't – I just kind of want to follow up on this, and this might be tough for you to answer because you weren't with the team this year, but I, I always – I think it would be cool to be sitting in that room with Stan Drayton and the new staff because you know that there are guys that – Maybe, you know, with, with a new staff and the arrival of a new staff, they may look at a player and say, hey, we think this kid can play. Well, we, we get him with a new strength coach. We get him in a new system. We can, we can utilize this kid and, and get something out of him that the previous staff didn't get out of him. And I'm thinking of, you know, when you're talking about, you know, some of the big chunk plays and stuff like that, you know, they, they just couldn't set up much of anything in the run game this year. It just was not firing for him, whether it was just – 
whether they weren't, weren't being coached up, right. I'd have to think that the talent in that running back room was a little bit better than what they showed. You'd know better than I would, but they, they just couldn't get anything going. And a lot of times it looked like, um, you know, I don't have the luxury of watching film with those guys, but a lot of times it just looked like there wasn't much there when, if you are sitting with Stan Drayton, do you think that there's more there that he could work with? And if these guys sit down and say, all right, we've, we've got some stuff, we've got mm-hmm. some players here, by no means am I saying that they're going to be returning five guys along the front and all right. conference offensive line. And that they have a Bernard Pierce back there or a, you know, or a B. John Robinson, like, you know, like right. Stan had a Texas, but do you think that there's a little bit more there than we realize that they could, that they could utilize? I think if, if I'm coach Drayton, I'm going in there with, and I am just giving those guys the, the, the utmost confidence that they've probably never felt in the past three years. And that's what, that's how I'm starting off. Like, listen, you guys are good enough. You guys have the talent to win a championship in the AAC. And this is how we're going to get it done. And you continually, like I said, I mean, you could build them up to break them back down because like I told you guys a while back, John, and I talked to and a couple of people, I think this is going to have to be a difficult offseason. Now, I don't know how he'd do it. I knew how Fran would have did it. I knew how Elijah and you know, guys in the Temple world that I've dealt with would have done it. I don't know how, how Coach Drayton will do it, but it should be a difficult offseason. Now, he might take it a different way or a different route, but he seems like a quote-unquote players coach where a guy that you can go up to and communicate with, a la Matt Rule, you know, a, a Jeff Collins-ish kind of guy. Um, but I'm just going to continue to build confidence very quickly. And again, I mean, I, I've, I've seen people or I've heard stories of new coaches coming in and just shooting people down very quickly. And it seemed like, like, for instance, you know, example, I, and I'm not sitting in the, the, the meeting rooms or I'm not sitting in the office of the new head coach at Colorado State, but he went in there. It seemed like, you know, the coach from Nevada to Colorado State, Norvell, I believe his name is. If I'm not, not I don't know mm-hmm. if it's Norvell, yeah. but mm-hmm. and he kind of just cleaned house like. Yep. He brought in guys from all over Nevada. You know, Toddy's out of there, our former quarterback. Pacozzi's out of there. The other Pacozzi's yep. out of there. All the Temple guys, Crump's out of there. So he went in and said, hey, this is what we're doing. This is what we're running. I have my quarterback. Sorry, Toddy. Like, that's what he said now. Or Toddy could have just seen the writing on the wall. And, you know, there's there's other guys that are going to try to build it up from, you know, the ground up. And if that's what Coach Drayton is doing, great. Um, but it'll be interesting again. I'm very much looking forward to seeing how he handles – that side of things as well. I mean, there's just a lot of things that are on his plate that mm-hmm. you know, a lot of people are going to be evaluating him very early on and, mm-hmm. you know, rightfully so. All right. So uh, several more mailbag questions to get to here. The, the next one comes from the Twitter handle temple fan. Al question is obviously some former players are upset that this wasn't their preferred choice. Drayton mentioned that there will be an open door policy for former players, as we just discussed earlier in the pod. Adam, do you think former players will give him a chance? Wouldn't be fair if they didn't. That's the the commentary yeah. of, of uh, Temple yeah. Fan out here. Yeah. Do you think former players will give him a chance? I I do, and like I said, I think it'll take a little bit of time. He's talking about gaining trust from his players, and he's gonna have to gain a little bit of trust from some of these former players as well. If you look at what you know, when Jeff Collins took over for Matt, um, you know, he created something called Legends Row in our locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like there were ten empty lockers in the back of the the locker room that no, no current player could touch. Mm-hmm. Those lockers were for former players only when they came back here. And obviously he had an open door policy. When he came back there. They came back there. Those were their lockers to work out. They can keep their stuff there. They can do whatever they want. So he took that, you know, and, and ran with it. And obviously he did a ton of things with, with our former players and, you know, made graphics for everybody that, you know, for instance, I was, I was playing quarterback and I threw one completion for one yard. I mean, Jeff Collins was creating a graphic for that. It was being tweeted out. And you know what I mean? So he knew how to work that side of things. And he's obviously doing the same thing down there at Georgia Tech. 
with the former players that are there. Um, and I think Stan will come up with some idea to, to, to get those players back, whether it's a, a Zoom with all of them at once at one time. And then, you know, one alumni day comes, you know, they're back. There, there's always some things that you could do that other people might not have done before at dinner. Like if it were me, if I was a head coach, I'd have a, after the NFL season, it'd be a huge, spectacular gala event, like mm-hmm. downtown. And all right, Stan, like you're making a good chunk of change here, my man. I don't know what it is, but you're making a good chunk now. You know, pay for them and their significant other, and let's go have a nice dinner downtown in Philly. Every NFL player and the 50 guys, you better, you know, cash it over, and that's how you get them guys involved. Like, this is what we're going to do. This is what the – I say new temple, but this is how the temple that Stan Drayton is going to run it, and this is what it's going to look like. Like, So those guys will figure it out. And I'm, like I said, Jeff did a good job. Um, and, you know, it seems like, you know, Stan has an idea on how he'll attack that thing. Where would you take them? An Italian restaurant? Oh man, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> they want to come. If they want to come to my mom's, my mom cooks it up pretty good. So they, you know, they can come down to Pittsburgh if they want. And my mom will cook them up some Italian for them. Would it like? I know mean, I'm going more off topic here. What, this will be my last food question. <laughs> you're Italian. I'm Italian. What What is your What What does your mom cook better than anything else in the Italian uh, realm? I, I mean, it's gonna say chick. I mean, chicken. She makes a legit chicken palm. Like that's my meal. But she make gnocchis. Mm-hmm. that are phenomenal just are you know heard the meatballs I, she makes meatball sandwiches and then you know on some this, this bread company is called mancini's bread mancini's mm-hmm. you probably heard of it you've been yep. in the burg a couple of times it's, it's absolutely un- unbelievable um but do you cringe do you cringe when you hear people mispronounce gnocchis yeah yeah, yeah. and i try to like <laughs> I'm, and my mom she she says a bunch like just took all pierogi something different like my mom has all kind of stuff but my mom can cook so that's what i'm gonna go with but I, I don't really have a favorite Italian. Like I like, I like it all. Like I like raviolis, regular spaghetti. I like, you know, I, but I like a little bit of meat sauce, meatballs, a little Parmesan cheese. But she does it all. So according to Adam DeMichael, his mother will be making food yeah. for any former <laughs> Temple football player who wants to come back. I just committed Mrs. DeMichael to. Uh, yeah, that's funny, man. There. Yeah, uh, that's um, funny. So uh, okay, I've got several more to several more to get to here. Um, Next Twitter question, the Twitter handle is PCLE99. If you were coaching at Temple, how would you sell the program to athletes and high school coaches? Well, Adam, you're just a year removed from this. Now, what, how, would, how would you do it now? I mean, you've kind of, kind of answered this question a little bit already. So if you were coaching at Temple, put yourself in the mindset of Stan Drayton says, Adam, I'm going to make you an offer you can't refuse. I want you back on the staff. How are you selling the program again to uh, to athletes and, and high I school mean, coaches now? I, I still, to this day, I still don't understand. Like, it's not that far removed from winning eight games and right. nine games and ten games. It's like people, and I, I, I say this very loosely, people have are overreacting, in my opinion. And now, now in, of, of two bad poor seasons, or essentially one poor season this year and then last year with the COVID, to me, you can say whatever you want and people can be mad at me. People can, you know what I mean, say whatever. There was a, there was a, a, an issue with COVID that, really hurt things but now, now the style of play you know the way the guys played you know things that people didn't like the coaching however it was you know that 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 can you know that can be argued and that can be talked about um but again I think the place and I think Stan said it, it kind of sells itself I mean the location is ideal for any job you know you're talking about the fourth largest media market it might be fifth it might be third now and I mean you're talking about being hours away from DC you know hours away from New York City hour and a half from the beach it's an ideal location for anything you want to do professionally after football 
the job market right there is better than anywhere in the country. I mean, you're talking even better than LA. I mean, it's, it's, it's ideal. I mean, there's obviously a chance um, right now, the way things have gone for the program to come in and have the opportunity to compete at an, at a, at a young age, you know, as a freshman, as a, you know, as a, a transfer, because of the way things have gone in the portal for us, the guys that we've lost and the number of, um, you know, good players that we've lost. I mean, I think that's a big deal for kids nowadays. Um, I wouldn't say that the NIL deal for us is, you know, elite right now, but that's something that I'm sure Coach Drayton is kind of working on. So that's not necessarily, we're not giving 50 grand like Texas to every offensive mm-hmm. lineman they have. <laughs> um, I don't think we got that kind of chunk, chunk of money running, rolling around the streets of Philadelphia right now. Mm-hmm. But again, man, I think it's a, it's a, it's a brand of toughness. It's a place where, you know, you have to come in with a chip on your shoulder. And I've said this for a long time. I mean, Guys have gotten overlooked and they come in, they compete and they find a way to be successful. You know, they're self-made, they're motivated, you know, they want to get coached hard. So, I mean, that's where you, if if that's a thing for you, you know, if you want the easy way out, this isn't for you. If you're looking for, you know, um, you know, the glitz and glamor and, you know, playing in front of 60 grand, 80 grand game, that's not how it is right now. You know what I mean? But when you are successful, you know, the fans are, you know, they're loyal and, you know, they'll come out to play and, and, and watch. So mm-hmm. I think the play sells itself, John. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few more from Twitter here. The next one that the, the Twitter handle is at pro better for Stan mentioned the possibility of hiring local coaches. Who would you like to see get hired? <laughs> That's a loaded question. Yeah. Um, I don't know about local, local can mean like Northeast ties. You know, you heard him talk about people in the Northeast that could be anybody from dang Maine to Virginia. I don't know, D.C. area, you know what I mean? So I don't know what his thought process is um, on, you know, what he wants to do. You know, he said, you know, those guys on the contract, the people that he's talked mm-hmm. to, I'm sure, he, you know, when he went into that interview, he had his staff and said, hey, listen, right. this is going to be the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator. You know, obviously some names that have come up would be, you know, Ed Foley to see if he would come back would be a nice hire. Mm-hmm. I don't know what his thought process is on the guys that are already on staff. Um but I would venture to say, again, and I haven't heard anything about rumblings. I just don't know who we'd bring. I don't know who I'd like to see. But obviously, to have somebody back that kind of understands Temple would be ideal. And, you know, he could say whatever he wants. But, you know, and I, I it, it kind of was funny to me that this is one of the negatives that I saw. Like, oh, Stan was coached in Philly. I'm like, guys, like, no, he didn't. I hate that. was like, stop writing that. Stop talking about that. Like, he coached there 20 years ago. Yep. It wasn't at Temple. Like, it's a totally different world. Like that's what, that was the one negative that I heard that people talked about. Stan was at Penn and Temple in Villanova. I'm like, guys, that's not Temple. That's 20 years ago. The world's totally different now. Everything's right. different. Campus is different. Philly's different. Yeah. Recruiting's different. NCAA football is different. Right. So I don't think that had any bearing on why they hired Stan. I think that was just a, a point to keep guys happy because everyone kept saying, yeah. Hey, we need a guy, you know, that understands Philadelphia region and recruiting. So mm-hmm. It's a loaded question, John. I probably could put it, put together a staff for you for you guys on the side, but I'll, we'll see what he does here. I would venture to say he interviewed some guys this weekend, and something should be done here in the next couple of days, at least a couple of hours. Yeah, yeah. I think we'll start to hear things trickling in uh, right before the holidays and after the holidays, certainly. Uh, this is uh, yeah, this is uh, a, a Twitter question from from one of my staff members, Dante Colonelli, and he's <laughs> asking this because we were talking about it on the scoop on our Al Scoop podcast. Uh, and Dante said he's not a he's not a huge fan of Christmas music, music which which mm. broke my heart. So his question is, what's Adam's opinion on Christmas music? I mean, Dante, I might have to unfollow you on Twitter. There um, we go. I'm there a, we go. I mean, it's just it's disturbing that somebody w- doesn't enjoy Christmas music. Like, 
my brother Anthony, my younger brother coaches at Lehigh, like he's diehard Christmas, like Vince Gill. Like, let me see, can you hear this? Like, do you hear what I hear by Vince by Vince Gill? Are you kidding me? Like, mm-hmm. like, like I can, and I went, <laughs> like that's just like one. And you know, I got my I got a couple candles from Bath and Body Works out there. I got like the smell, you know, our trees up. My, especially now I got kids and we're listening to, you know, Blippy Christmas and all these other Christmas carols. It's just like, I think Dante, when you have kids, if you don't have any right now, it'll even hit you a little more. But as a child to me though, John, we listen to Christmas music all the time. It was just, and then I went to a Catholic school. So mm-hmm. growing up and, you know, we had Christmas plays and you know what I mean, we were just singing. So to me, Christmas music, two thumbs up. Yeah. I'm a, I mean, he, he teases me and Kyle teases me. Well, I'm a, I'm a Christmas nut. I, it, that was instilled in me by my dad and my mom and my grandparents. I've got like, we're going, I mean, if after we record, we're recording this on a Saturday night, my wife, my mother-in-law and I are probably going to Rose tree park, not far from where we are mm-hmm. now. We're trying to look at some Christmas lights out in media. We've got, got three trees up in the house. I'm looking for other places where I can stick lights, but yeah, Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra, Bing Crosby, yeah. oh, man. Percy Faith, uh, all sorts of great stuff. But yeah, the, Dante's throwing that in there for fun because he, uh, we were talking about how early is too early to listen to Christmas music. I listened to it before Thanksgiving. It doesn't mean that Ooh. I'm disrespecting Thanksgiving, love Thanksgiving, but I just, I just love it. I, I, I love it. So, um, there you go, Dante. Uh, now we got some questions here. This is these come from the uh, from the the Facebook group, which is always a lively place. Uh, Jim Lyons asked this one: Did Arthur Johnson ask Adam for input during the coaching search, and what advice would Adam give to Stan Drayton? I didn't. I haven't heard from Coach Drayton, um, so no, I haven't gotten any two one five text messages or voicemails in a, in, a, in about a month. So uh, besides a couple of the former players, so no, I've got no input for uh for arthur and any advice i mean the guy's been around the block way longer than than i have um 27 years like i mentioned earlier but i would just tell him very simply and we could stop this question i would coach them hard and i would show them daily that you care and you love those guys that's it call it a day that's all you have to do and those guys will play their tails off for you and then again i mean obviously you got to put them in a situation to be successful on the field there coach mm-hmm. Uh, next question here comes from Glenn Phillips. What's a reasonable expectation for next season? Is it the record or the eye test? I have an answer for this, but I want to hear yours first, Adam. Um, I don't know. I don't think I've ever gone to a season with, and now get me, don't get me wrong. I would sit there with a couple of young guys on the staff and I'd be like, I'd go through the schedule. This is literally every year, John. So, you know, I would go through the schedule and I'd have it on my wall and I'd be like, all right, that's a win, loss. Win, win, win. Oh, shoot. We got to go there at loss. And I'd be like, all right, guys, we're going to be six and seven. We're going to be seven and six. We're going to be six and six. We're going to be eight and four. Like, I would go through it every year before the season started. And it was just one of the things that we did just to kind of, like, pass some time. You know what I mean? We were just BS with a couple of the young guys. Um, is it better than last year? Yeah. I mean, is it – do you want to see them playing harder? And, you know, if the record – if we still struggle with the record, are people going to be happy? It's like nobody's ever happy until you know, nothing's ever good enough for anybody. And that's like coaches included, fans included, the players. You know what I mean, you win next year, you win six games, go to a bowl game, well, we should have won seven. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? We win next year, we win four, well, it could have been five. Um, but you would just like to see, um, you know, the players playing hard all the time. Mm-hmm. You'd like to see, like I mentioned before, people flying around the ball. 
an offense that can move the football and be consistent, an offensive line that's coming off the football, just the, 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 the most simplistic things that a fan could see, like to see those things consistently. Um, but again, this is, this would be a good one for you to answer. John. I have a little number in my head, but I won't say it. Well, what I wanted to ask, and I'm kind of like maybe reframing the question for you here, would you rather see, again, you see it from both, both viewpoints you have coached and you, you've coached this program and you've played for this program. Would you rather see a team that goes maybe four and eight next year, but you see, like, if you had the chance to watch film, you see what I like, what I see there. Like, and this goes to maybe like his question, the eye test, you know, I see, and again, this is all hypothetical. I see, wow, look at, look at Bryce Tolman. He looks like he could be better than CJ Perez. I'm not saying he's going to be the next Matt Hennessy, but you see some potential there at center. You see that next step from, you know, I don't know, pick a player, anybody like a, like a David Martin Robinson, and you see growth and you see, you see some things that you really like, you see things on film that you didn't see last year and say, wow, I really do see you guys fly into the ball. Cause Stan said, and I, and I appreciate him for being honest. And I, I mean, we could see it too, as reporters, he saw a little bit of quit. Now is a, a former player might, might, you know, skewer me for saying this. I don't want to say it's understandable, but you could see when it was getting near the end of the season, it just looked like like Rod and his staff had lost the had lost the room, and you could kind of see where once they got behind, they were getting behind. But Stan D did see some quit. So if you're looking at this team next year and they're four and eight, but you like the way they're flying around, would you rather see a four and eight team that's flying around and has great habits, or would you rather see a six and six team that sneaks into a bowl game, but you say, okay, maybe they kind of caught lightning in a bottle this one year, but they might've patched some stuff together and I'm not really sure about the foundation. What would you, what would you rather? Yeah, I, mean, I think at the end of the day, I think that this rebuild, if that's what you want to call it, um, is going to take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be an overnight deal. Um, six wins would be ideal, but if I think I would take the, Hey, look at this foundation. It's almost like Matt's mm-hmm. first year. Like we were two yep. and 10, but like things were different. You know, yeah. we couldn't finish games. We couldn't finish. And I think that's, that's a sign of a team that's you know, not immature, just a little, um, you know, a team that hasn't done it enough. You know what I mean? They're just a team that was kind of used to losing. Mm-hmm. If you get used to losing, uh, you know, you need to find a way or find a, a, a manner, find, find somebody or some way to, to, to get, get out of that rut there. Um, and we, we, we were used to losing that first year. Like no matter what happened, you know, it was like everybody thought something bad was going to happen. You know what I mean? Yeah. And if we could fight out of that and get to that, like you said, that four and eight mark and just be consistent and, you know, be in every game and you could say to yourself like, Hey, that four and eight could easily been, right. you know, six and whatever, you know what I mean? We, we could have won six. We could have snuck into seven. You know what I mean? I think you, like you said, if you have that foundation set and, you know, the guys are playing the way you want them to play as a staff, I think that would be a little, a little more uh, beneficial for us uh, long-term. And that stuff's so important, right? Because I know that you, I mean, sure, I'm sure part of this is maybe like some self-deprecation on your part, but you'll, you've said a few times on this podcast, you know, we weren't very good when I played, but in reality, and I think you know this, like, and listeners need to hear this, the team that goes to the Eagle Bank Bowl that has Von Charlton, a quarterback, does not get there without a lot of the stuff that you guys did the season before and the season before that. And even your arrival in the program gave 
give people something to be excited about. Like, whoa, this, this guy was a legend in Pittsburgh and he was recruited to play at Penn state and you got hurt and banged up so many times and then probably would have stayed in some games if they would have let you, that stuff was important. So do you feel like they, they, they need to get back to that as opposed to like a quick fix type of mentality? Yeah. I, I no, don't mean, don't get me wrong. No, if they come out of the gates next year, swinging and, Guys are positive. The energy is there. That the scheme that they're running fits what you know we have offensively and defensively. And you know we're four and zero. And next thing you know, when you know we got nine games in, and that quick fix is is in. I'm all for it. Right, right. I don't know. It's just one of them deals where you know I, I mentioned last on the last podcast. Like, what are your expectations? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to manage the expectations of everybody in the program. Mm-hmm. When you have a new coach, it's like, okay, everything's going to be different. Okay, we're going to win next year. This is how and you know, you just jump past all of the work that you need to put in to get yeah. there. So, you know, Stan's going to have to do, and I talked to a, a colleague of mine, a former colleague of mine. Um, he's like, that's what you got to do when you come in as a head coach. Like you have to manage everybody, every player individually, every staff member you have expectations because someone's going to come in and say, Hey coach, you know, I'm, I'm the starting tight end. I want to, I'm going to catch 98 balls. This is who I am. It's like, Hey, listen, buddy, this is really who you are. There's, those are your expectations, but this is real life and you have to bring them back to reality and you have to be honest with them. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, a couple more here to finish things out in the mailbag. Uh, this next one is from Dylan Linus, I guess is the last name. Any chance he hires Bo Davis as an assistant? Uh, it'd be interesting. I think that, <clears throat> I think as and I, and I, and I say this very lightly, if you're an offensive head coach, you're, and I think you, everyone's probably said this before, your top hire, obviously you have to have a good strength coach, but if you're an offensive head coach, you have to find somebody on the other side of the ball that you truly trust as your defensive coordinator and someone that's going to, because you're not going to be in that defensive room too often. Like, Oh, okay. We're going to go the over front. You know, we're going to bring this blitz and do that. And, you know, this is the scheme that you want to run against them. Like you're going to probably be sitting in there with the offensive coordinator and saying, Oh, Hey, we need to run these plays. We need to do this. So you're going to really have to trust the defensive coordinator. So if, again, I mean, I did some research on, uh, on on him again he's the, just real quick just and i didn't say this in the outset of the question he's the defense he's currently the defensive line coach at texas and it had uh had been there before with mac brown he's been at alabama he's been with the jaguars he's been at utsa which is now a really good program and then had been with the lions before he came back to, to texas so so i wanted to add a little, right. little bit of background in there yeah so i mean if 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 you see fit that he's the guy that can can run that defensive room and Obviously, you know, Stan was interviewed and he had a name in mind, a couple names in mind. It's like, okay, this is one, this is one A, this is one B mm-hmm. and find a way to get those guys in there. So if it was him, I mean, the guy has a resume. Can, can he hold a room? Can he motivate players? Um, you know what I mean? Schematically, again, the X's and O's are cool, but like, is he going to get his guys playing hard and, 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 and flying around to the football on a, on a daily basis? I mean, I think that's what's key to me. And to close things out, the question that we seem to get <laughs> maybe every other week here and there as Adam yeah. continues to settle in in Pittsburgh, but it, uh, it's nice to be, it's nice to be loved. And here's yeah. a question again. Uh, I guess Paul Seeley is, I'm going to guess that Paul Seeley is maybe P Seeley 99 in the previous Twitter question. Paul Seeley uh, from Facebook is asking, would Adam consider coming back for an on-field or off-field role? Hear any names for coordinators or position coaches? So here's another fan that, that yeah. wants you to come back. Would you consider coming back for an on-field or off-field role? Well, you know, you know what, John, I might, feel like you guys might sound like I'm sulking a little bit but I feel like at the end of the day like the fans were the ones 
that truly, you know, had an understanding about what I meant to the program in my 10 years there in my three years there as a player. Mm -hmm. To me, I don't think any of anybody else even remotely did. And that pisses me off sometimes. So I'm going to talk a little bit here. It kind of pisses me off. Yeah. It kind of pisses me off a little bit that nobody else does. And it's frustrating. You know what I mean? To an extent, like not, not now that I'm not on the staff anymore, but like, as I was, you know, with Matt and then off the field and then I was with Jeff and I was off the field and I was with Rod and I was off. Like to me, that's frustrating. You know I mean? That's the business side of things now. You know what I'm saying? Like, I understand that, but um, again, I come on here and it's like, you read all the stuff now that I'm a, I'm, I'm not a, a coach anymore. It's like, okay, who should be the, this kind of coach? And who, like the fans are the guys that talk to me and talk about me all the time. And, and I, I really appreciate the words and, you know, all the positivity that, you know, come from you guys, but like, I haven't heard from anybody on that staff. I'm not saying I should, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And I haven't heard. And it's, it's the same thing. It's like, okay, Adam should stay there because he was with the old staff and knows what's going on. Like, that's not how I wanted it ever to be. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I felt like it went, but I never felt necessarily appreciated. And that's, like I said, like probably me sulking a little bit. So it's good that we, we missed a couple of a uh, couple of days worth of this podcast, but <laughs> I haven't heard from coach Drayton. Um, today I just had eight to 10 of the, the like the best quarterbacks in Western PA, like three ninth graders, eighth and ninth graders that are just ridiculous. And then a, a graduating senior, two 11th graders that are the real deal. And I just had a blast in an indoor facility. Uh, my buddy, Neil Walker played for the pirates, uh, his indoor facility. Pine, that's Pine Richland, right? Yeah. So, I mean, that's yeah. what I did today. So again, now would it be cool if, if like a friend or one of those guys would have gotten a job, I would have ventured to think that I would have gotten a call and I would have had to make a tough decision, but now I don't. But like I said, it's just one of them deals where I'm not worried about anything until the time comes. And, but again, fans, I appreciate all the, the kind words on all the media, all the social media deals. You guys are the best. And, uh, you know, obviously I appreciate you guys listening in and, you know, me and John have had a blast uh, being able to do this podcast with you guys and hopefully we can keep it rolling. Have several friends who are pirate fans, so they'll, they'll appreciate the fact. I'm just impressed that we got Neil Walker's name into a, a Believe in Temple football podcast. Yeah, that's my guy. He uh make a quick story. He was like my AAU teammate in traveling bay travel baseball in high school. And, very, very, uh, very, very good player. He would um we would all use metal bats on the game. He would use a wooden bat and he would get up and just bat lefty and then just hit a bomb. And next time up, he'd bat righty and just hit a bomb. And then I'd be on the mound pitching, I'd be throwing balls in the dirt. And he would just scoop it up, scoop it up, and just throw it back and be like nothing. But that dude's special. And he has his own little facility, no off-season uh, training and no off-season sports out uh, about 40 minutes from me. Mm-hmm. And there's bubbles and fields. And, you know, I mean, he, he allowed me to come bring my guys out there to train. So um, he's, he's a really good guy that we, we've been in, I mean, since 2000, I don't know, our freshman years of high school. Mm-hmm. We've known one another. And obviously we were players of the year in 2004. And then obviously he went on to do a, a you know a 10 year stint in the MLB. So mm-hmm. let me ask you this Adam. I would assume, right? Like if you can you talk to fans about and you kind of have before, you know, I think like some fans say, all right, well, even if you're in a player development role and you're earning a six-figure salary, that's still a pretty good life. But I know you know, being again, I don't know it like you know it. Being off the field when you're taken off the field, that kind of that kind of guts you, right? Because you can't do what you, you know, what you really want to do and being around the guys and maybe some guys are okay with it, but I know how it affected you. I know how it affected Ed Foley. 
And I think mm-hmm. it's one of the reasons why you guys did leave. So I can't imagine that you would go back to, you would go back to Philly unless, and again, you were very clear and said, Hey, Stan Drayton hasn't reached out, but I would imagine the only way you're going back is if Stan Drayton says to you, I want you on my staff and I want you back on the field. And then you'd have something to maybe have something to think about. Right. Or am I putting words in your mouth? No, 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 no. You're, you're pretty much, I mean, I would you're pretty much hitting right on the nose. Um, but again, sometimes in those off the field roles, you get kind of re you reevaluate where you are right. as a professional. And as a college football coach, and it's like, okay, why wasn't I successful in his eyes? Or what, what, what could I have done better? Now, in my role currently, how can I be the best in it? And it is good to have, have somebody that's, you know, giving you, hey, listen, you're the quote-unquote offensive analyst. This is what you do on a weekly basis. I'm coming to you for this during the game. Like, hey, it's third day. What do they do? Boom, you got to give them an answer. Mm-hmm. Or whatever the case may be. But it's good to have a coordinator or someone above you that's, you know, kind of, kind of showing you the ropes, kind of leading you in the right direction, you know, showing you things that you don't know. And and then you're allowed to, you know, help in recruiting a tad more. Um, But to not have your own room and be involved heavily with a position group is tough because, you know, for instance, back in the day, whenever I was off the field and Glenn Thomas was the quarterback coach, like you think PJ, and again, I love Glenn. Do you think PJ went over and talked to Glenn Thomas? Do you think PJ and Karen talked to me? And that's not, that's obviously PJ and I had a great relationship. Right. So that's the disconnect because, you know, you have a guy that's above you that you don't want to step on toes. Mm-hmm. And then there's you who, you know, you, this guy's coming to you for questions. So it's like you kind of funnel him to him early on, but there's certain things that you have to say and certain things that you have to answer. So, you you know, you, you kind of teeter-totter back and forth on what you can do and what you can't do. And it puts you in an awkward position at times. But as long as everybody's on the same page and people don't are worried about getting their feelings hurt, and, you know, I think things could be successful, but you need to have that coordinator that kind of funnels everything out the right way and says, OK, this is your job. This is your job. Weekly, 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 daily, daily, daily. Let's get it done. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Well, well, thank you to all of you for the, the, the mailbag questions from the Facebook group, from Twitter. Uh, we'll obviously have more to get into. Uh, we'll probably record our next episode uh, a little after Christmas. Hope uh, for all of you who do celebrate, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful holiday with your family and your friends, Adam to you and your family. Hope you guys have a, a wonderful Christmas and Thanks, we'll, we'll, catch up. It, we'll uh, catch up after Christmas and look forward to catching up with you guys soon. We'll probably have a little bit more to talk about then uh, as Stan Drayton's staff take shape and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a Merry Christmas, wonderful holiday season. We'll talk to you guys soon. Happy holidays guys. Happy holidays. John. Thanks bud. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. 
Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.